one spotlights. Go ahead. Welcome to Next Up Live. I'm Marlon Gordon. I'm your host for today's episode. And when I say live, I mean live. This is actually a live episode. We have viewers out there that will be in, that, that will be engaging with Brianna. Yes, I'll be chatting live. Um, I'll be answering all of your questions. You can ask anything you want. We'll have live polls, so make sure you chat and engage. Yeah, so let's go ahead and bring out our guests, right? All right. Dr. Katie Wilson, Carlita. So we have the Urban School of Food Alliance today. We're so excited to have them here. We're gonna take a deep dive into what you guys are all about. So thank you so much for, for joining us today. And if you wanna grab your seats, we'll go ahead and get started. Great. Welcome, right. glad to be here. So we'll go ahead and give Bri a chance to get logged into the Zoom so she can talk to all of you guys. But um, let's get to know you a little, bit, a little better. Carlita, you wanna go first? What do you do? How do you get involved with the Urban School of Food Alliance? Give me your entire story. <laughs> well, um, actually, I just started with the Alliance back in June, so it'll be seven months. I'm still baby. Okay. <laughs> I am employee number four. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I come from um, from background when working in school districts. I worked in um, state of Maryland school district, two di two different districts, one smaller than the other. Um, in Howard County um, school district, I worked as uh, after school program director and also worked as administrator for the um, alternative ed program. Okay. And then I moved over to Baltimore City, which is large, which is one of our members. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I was working as an executive assistant. So were they a member before you joined the team for USFA or did they join after? Did, did you bring Baltimore with you? Well, actually, I didn't even know about Urban School Food Alliance then because okay. I was working in a totally different capacity. And I always tell Katie, if I'd have known about Urban School while I was the after school program, I would have done so much more because of the work that we're doing, it would have benefited me a lot. Okay. <laughs> But no, I didn't know, um, so, but I believe I was in um, Baltimore in 2016 and 17, so I believe that was probably around the time they may have joined right after that. Okay, and well, how did you find out about Urban School Food Alliance? Well, actually, um, LinkedIn. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that works. So I found the uh, position on LinkedIn, I was like, oh, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then so I said, let me do some background work. And I was like, and that's exactly what I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't even know this existed when I had the uh, after school program, because this would have benefited us a lot working with um, yeah. food and nutrition, because that was like one of our biggest issues was to have um, food for the kids when they were in the after school program. Mm. And we were there for two hours um, after school from four to six. And just try, and I worked with our school nutrition director, which was, I mean, she was an excellent director. So she found us ways to uh, have food for the kids in the after school program. So, Neat. but so when I did the research and everything, and I was like, oh, I like this. This yeah. is this is where I want to be. Okay, all right. <laughs> so sent my uh, resume cover letter, and then I got the call. It was magic. <laughs> <laughs> got to interview a couple of times, but it was good. <laughs> well, what was well? Who did you interview with? And what was um, that the like? first time I interviewed with Katie. So and it was really good. It was a really good interview. And I felt good after. I was like, okay. And she said we we're going to interview with the chairperson. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was getting a little nervous. The chairperson, and then it was um, collective. I think Jeremy was on the call as well. And so, you know, when you start getting multiple uh, people, you start getting a little 
nervous because you got yeah. questions coming from different directions. So, um, but it, was, it went well, obviously, was I'm here. A, <laughs> was it an in-person interview? Or no, it was all Zoom because we were in a pandemic. So okay. everything was done via Zoom. Yeah. So, which kind of puts you in a better position because then you have to sit in front of people being nervous. Like, <laughs> so, nervous. so you get, you get to, uh, you know, have your tissue right there, hold, wiping your hand and explain and nobody will notice. That's, that's very true, that's very yeah. true. So, but no, it's been um, excellent. So when I came aboard, um, small office we just opened the office in dc and so it was very exciting so this was like brand new this is like me starting fresh because it was yeah. a brand new office so i got a chance to do it my way that's cool <laughs> that's cool yeah all right so katie dr katie wilson <laughs> let's let's hear your origin story my origin story. <laughs> yeah let's hear so it how all did i get to the alliance yep. um, so i've been in school nutrition my entire career so mm. i'm pushing 30 some years. I won't date myself any more than 30 that. 30 some years? I thought you were like 27, I know. Well, you know, I started when I was about three or four. <laughs> but, um, so it's been my passion in my career, most definitely. And so after being a school nutrition director for a number of years in, the, in Wisconsin, I went down to the Institute of Child Nutrition and I was mm -hmm. the executive director there for five years trying to kind of shift it and make it a national association, a national institute that it was meant to be. Uh, and then I got the call. And that was from the White House Personnel Office. And I'm telling you, you'll never believe when you get that call. What was that Be feeling like? Well, I, I was actually in a museum in Alaska at the time because <laughs> I had been up there for our training uh, for the Institute. And uh, all of a sudden, I get this phone call, and I answered it. And it says, hi, I'm the White House Personnel Office. And I thought, yeah, sure. Who, who is this, yeah. right? So uh, no, it was the call. And they said, um, the Obama administration is interested in having you come on board and be Deputy Undersecretary for Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services, would you be interested? Of course, it takes your breath away because, again, you still want to make sure it's for real. Um, and, and so I said, well, uh, can I call you back? <laughs> and so I, I mean, what are you going to say, right? So uh, they gave me a phone number, and about a half hour later, I called them back because I could breathe then and said, uh, yeah. absolutely, I, I'm honored to come. So it went, but all along, I knew about the Alliance and had been colleagues with all of the folks that started the Alliance. And at that time, they were really starting to think through what should we do, how can we do things collectively better. Mm -hmm. And so I had been in conversations with them, been in roundtables with them. So I knew that they had existed, but I wasn't really sure of the, the full purpose of what it should be. Um, so after I left uh, the Obama administration, once they were done and the new administration came in, you, you leave, you don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. Political appointees have to leave. So I left and I started a consulting business uh, and was working on that when they really started to talk very seriously about hiring an executive director for the Alliance. They were at that point. It had been run by volunteers prior to that. Mm -hmm. And so um, they called and said, are, are you interested? Do you know that this position is open? And so the rest is history. And same thing with Carlita. A lot of it was Zoom. Um, I remember one of my interviews. One of the first interviews, it was a huge snowstorm. I had to go into La Crosse for something into town. And where I live, going into town is a really big deal. And so I knew there was going to be a snowstorm. So I took my computer and I actually pulled into the hospital, local hospital, and went into their waiting room because I knew I had to get on this Zoom interview. And I was very nervous, just like you. And so I got on the Zoom interview and all of a sudden this young man that works there came in over to me and started offering to sell me snacks right in the middle of my interview. So, um, Did you buy uh, any? So, no, I didn't <laughs> at that point because he was with a, uh, someone was helping him and, and that person said, oh, no, no, I think they're on an interview. And I'm like, yeah. You know, so, uh, but anyway, been delighted. It's been a journey. Uh, it's probably one of the most challenging jobs I've ever had. 
but love every minute of it, uh, okay. working with these incredible folks. And, and who are some of the other uh, members of your team? Well, our team is, like Carlita said, four strong, okay. but mighty. So we have Carlita in D.C. I'm, I live in, in uh, Wisconsin, and I'm based in Wisconsin. And then we t stole two really great professionals out of Colorado. One is Jeremy West, and he is our directors of, director of partnership and member engagement. And he still resides in Colorado and works from Colorado. I thought he was, was the, the director of music and singing. <laughs> yeah, he was the director of karaoke. <laughs> yeah, the director of karaoke. He's yet to get me to do that. But anyway, um, so yeah, no, it was great because Jeremy was consulting at the time and I was at a, an SNIC for uh, one year and I was complaining that I just took this job on. I did it myself for about a year. Mm. I need help. I need someone who knows associations. I need someone who, who knows a school nutrition. I, I, there's just a unique person. Yeah. And one of his colleagues said, hey, do you know Jeremy's consulting? And I didn't at the time. So we called him immediately and said that this was in January and said, Jeremy, you're now consulting for the Alliance. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> and by March 1st, he was a full time employee. So um, and then we have Jill Kidd, who came out of Pueblo, Colorado, and has many years of experience in school nutrition. And she is now our director of procurement. And I will tell you there too, we just hit the right people for the right positions mm -hmm. because I don't know anybody that knows procurement in school nutrition like Jill does. So yeah. um, between Jeremy's organizational skills and his whole background in association management, he's finishing his master's in April okay. in association Congrats. management. And Jill's background in um, procurement and being an RD and Carlita with her MBA, I, I just couldn't have hit it better. So. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So what exactly is the Urban School Food Alliance? So the question is, what, what is the Urban School Food Alliance is a question that a lot of people ask everybody us. Wants um, everybody wants to know. It's sort of this mysterious thing, uh, but you know, we really sell a philosophy. We are a membership-based organization. We definitely lend uh, um, camaraderie and we lend support to their colleagues. Mm -hmm. It is so unique. You have to have 50,000 enrolled in your school district or larger in order to be a part of the alliance. And that's really for a reason. Uh, the uniqueness of their challenges are, are, will blow your mind away when you think about some of the things they bring up. So that support system is one of the very, very crucial pieces to the Alliance. And we all know that during COVID, we have monthly membership calls, mm -hmm. but during COVID, they asked for weekly calls. So who else adds three more meetings a month to their calendar, yeah. right? And they wanted them. And you could just see it on their faces that they needed each other to support one another. The other big piece is that the reason why the Alliance was even established is because they believed that collectively they can do better, and well, that in particularly in procurement. So who established the Alliance? So you're going to check my memory I'm here. Check your memory. All right, yep. so it's the top <laughs> six. It was the sixth largest. Okay. And so we have Dallas, we have Chicago, we have Miami-Dade, we have um, New York, LA. Orange County. And Orange County, <laughs> yes, there we go. So those were the six that started it, and those are the six largest, with a really incredible idea that their procurement together could make a difference in the kind of food mm. that school, schools could have access to. Because you know, you've been in school nutrition so many times, these vendors have some really good food, but they think, well, that's not for schools. They can't afford it in schools. Well, let me decide what I can afford in schools. Yeah. And so when you get that many 
districts together. And now we just we just got our 18th district, I so heard. we're up to 18. Congratulations. Yes, it's very exciting. Are, are you allowed to say who it is yet? I I don't. I think we better wait because okay. it hasn't been formally announced. Okay. But when you bring <laughs> yes, say, stay tuned is right. When you bring that many people together and over 850 million dollars a year in procurement. Mm. When we decide that something needs to change, yeah. it's going to change. Um, and so we've done that in a number of things by writing standards, uh, writing specifications. And what's really neat is that once we do it, it's nothing's proprietary. We're putting it yeah. all out on our public side of the webpage. So anybody can go in and use our standards in yeah. their procurement process. Yeah. Uh, and that will change the kind of food that we're getting access to in school nutrition. Yeah, when I was on, on the uh, membership call yesterday, Stephen O'Brien from New York City was talking about how you guys are almost like influencers. And that makes total sense because you guys do influence change for the better in child nutrition. So I thought that was really, really neat to hear him, him explain it the way that he did because with your standards and the products and the buying power and all that, it's pretty amazing. So Carlita, let's talk about the office. So the office is new, right? It's new, it's brand and, new. and you set it up yourself, right? Yeah, right down the street from the White House, I have a nice, Big window. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't face the White House, but it's it's almost there. So it's it's really new, and for DC, it's really a great spot, um, excellent spot. So I set it up, um, do what we do as an office manager. You know, you um, take control yeah. <laughs> of everything. So all things come through me. <laughs> <laughs> so so you're really in charge, then, is what you're saying. You're the boss. <laughs> I mean, when I have a question, I do typically call and ask you. Okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's what I'm there for. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this should be the first time the Alliance has an office. It's, it's the first time. So we're setting up everything, rolls through our office. Um, so if you have any questions or anything like that, that's my that's my department. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds like we'll be taking a trip to the new headquarters. I would, yes. I would love to. <laughs> I would yes, love to. always welcome. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> so the crowd is going crazy. They're really excited about this episode. Everybody's chiming in, saying hello. We have people from Tampa, Minnesota, Raleigh, North Carolina. Nice. Dallas, New York City, uh, the list goes on. I just want to launch a poll. Um, we have a couple of different polls, and this is just to get the audience engaged. So let's see what they have to say. We can keep talking, and then we'll circle back to this. Okay. Uh, let's talk about nutritional standards and what you guys are doing with that. So the Alliance really believes in good nutrition standards for kids. Um, you know, in every one of our districts, and I, I'm, I will tell you that I was very proud even during COVID because we do have the waivers to change the meal pattern if necessary. Our districts definitely suffered through the supply chain issues, still are trying to recover from some of that. But every time we came in together on a call, it was we're doing the best we can, we're still trying to meet the nutrition standards. Uh, they really put forth effort to make sure that those nutrition standards are met. I think when you get involved in school nutrition, and it doesn't matter what size district you're in, you find that these folks that run these programs care very deeply about what they do. And they're in them for a purpose, and that yeah. is to take care of their communities. So, um, you know, all through the pandemic, they tried really hard. They're still trying to keep them. A lot of fresh fruits and vegetables. We have Monique Roll in Baltimore City uh, Schools. She actually developed a box that then became part of the DOD uh, purchasing program because it had a certain amount of bulk fruits and vegetables that would qualify for a week's worth of meals, uh, just to make sure that families had better food. Uh, and I think that as we move forward, our districts, they were meeting the nutrition standards before COVID. They believe in good nutrition standards that are reasonable. So we do have to have some good open conversations about this. 
because we have to have products that are readily available and, and, and that they're affordable. Um, and that's not to give an excuse. I don't believe in excuses. I ran small districts in my career, and we did it. We don't need an excuse for a small district either. Uh, but it has to be affordable, it has to be available, and we have to change the consumer palette as well. You know, I, I'm really a strong believer in the fact that school nutrition is there for an educational purpose just because you're in a school. Mm -hmm. And so we have to teach kids what different foods taste like, we have to teach kids what a meal looks like, but we also have to work on the commercial palate before we all of a sudden lay that entire burden on the school nutrition program. So we believe in strong standards, we believe in going forward, not backwards. After all, there are no more kids left in our school systems that were part of the Healthy Hungry Free Kids Act, right? They've already, that's all they're used to now. Yeah. They didn't have a changeover anymore. Those kids have all graduated and moved on. Mm -hmm. So let's start where we left off and keep working forward. I will tell you I'm very pleased with USDA um, and their openness and engaging conversations right now about what it should look like going forward. Mm -hmm. They're looking at a bridge rule for the next two years. Okay. And then they're looking at having open conversations with all the stakeholders over that period of time to develop the new final, final rule that's going to be part of, you know, it has to meet the dietary guidelines for Americans. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really pleased in the sense that they've decided to open up that venue to let people talk about this. And they also have verbalized to us very clearly that they understand it needs time. You know, Healthy Hungry Kids Act was great, but it came fast and furious. And so they really understand right now that it needs time and they're willing to work with people on that. So technical assistance is how we get to good nutrition standards. Agreed, agreed. So 97% of the people on this webinar, they purchase the most chicken. So can we talk a little bit about your standard for chicken and um, what, what it has meant for school nutrition in your member districts? Sure, um, and so that was one of the very first things. The Alliance first did a compostable tr uh, plate and then they went out after chicken. And so it's never ever antibiotic free chicken. Uh, they wrote a standard before I came on board. And so they really pushed the chicken marketplace to make sure that that's what's going into the school cafeterias. Many of them put that on their bids and are continuing to put that on their bids. Sometimes it's a struggle, sometimes it's more expensive. It's hard because it's not identified at USDA Foods that way. Even though because there's so much of it in the marketplace now, that may be what they're getting through USDA Foods, but it's not labeled that way. So, but they're very dedicated to this. And then now we started a whole new thing because we have a database uh, collecting all of the procurement data from all of our districts, which has never been done before. So this is quite a, an interesting project with a data company. And chicken is one of the biggest products. So we now have started this project with a company that works with the commercial marketplace, fast uh, chain restaurants. And so we have written our own recipe for two chicken products. And we have done, they, this company does R&D, and then we've tested it in three pilot schools, kid tested it. If we ever get a face-to-face -face meeting again, we're supposed to give it to all of the, all of the districts, right, Carly? Yes. We just canceled our February one and went virtual. You can't taste chicken virtually. So we are super excited about this project. It is a brand new way to purchase in school nutrition. We will own the recipe. There will be no proprietary again. We're going to put that recipe out on the website. People are going to be able to use that recipe for their own. What we hope it does is a couple of things. One increase the quality because the dietitians and the chefs in our school districts in the membership they helped write that recipe okay so it meets all the standards and two that it reduces skews 
So if this is the chicken recipe that we all want to use, I can get any product I want, but using this recipe. Mm -hmm. So the company we hired now goes out and tries to find multiple manufacturers of all different sizes that we will personally commit so many pounds of chicken to them. So again, we're getting better and better at being a business partner. Not, okay, here's what we have. We're going to drive the marketplace. We're not going to be, you know, just in the marketplace, so to speak. Yeah. So now we're going to say, here's our recipe. These are the products we want. And here's how many tens of millions of pounds of chicken mm -hmm. we're going to commit to this. So now you have a business partnership. And that was something I heard you um, talk about at SNIC recently about school districts being better customers. And you mentioned less SKUs. So that falls right in line with that. Yeah. Right. Um, so now you guys do a turkey too, right? Is the chicken and turkey thing similar? Like what's up with, with the turkey project that you guys are working on? Well, on the same thing, we worked on turkey um, and we worked with George Washington University uh, and also their antibiotic center, their research center, and also the Natural Resource Defense Council, NRDC. Uh, we worked with both of them to write a turkey standard, again, that anybody can use. Uh, it is on our website. And this one is for crop responsible use of antibiotics. So, uh, but now we are hearing that it might even go to never ever antibiotic free. Um, again, pushing that marketplace. And when you talk about the 18 largest districts deciding to put that on their bid, somebody's going to pay attention and start listening. And if we decide to do it, then it's going to be what the norm is in the, nat in the National School Lunch Program. There's no doubt about it. You guys really are setting the bar high for school nutrition programs across the country. That's a lot of work, but we're doing it. And it's, you know, it's different. The chicken project is, we, we're all unnerved <laughs> about this because each step of the way, and Jill is running the, this project, but each step of the way we're trying to figure out, okay, now what do we do next? We are very strong believers in staying within the federal regulation. We need co competition, open and fair competitive bidding. Mm -hmm. So it's, we are literally figuring out the path as we take these steps, but you know, I'm tired of talking about procurement and how we don't do good business in procurement, and we don't. I'm tired of another toolkit. I'm tired. No, we have to actually do something to try to do something different, and hopefully we're making those correct steps forward. Absolutely. Have you received a lot of feedback from your member districts on how these standards have helped change the perception of school nutrition within those communities? Well, I think they use, don't you think they use, Carly? Yeah. They, they yeah. use that as part of their PR yeah. process. Yep. Um, we've also signed on and worked very hard with other organizations to do the, the ingredient list of concern. Yep. And so that is a message to industry. These are the ingredients we're starting to look at. That's on there. And so that also a number of our districts have picked up on the ingredient list of concern as well and used that in their bids as well. So most definitely they're using it as PR because I think the commercial marketplace, I think parents, I think yeah. people are really starting to become more health conscious with our food supply. Yeah, I know. When I was working in a school district, the kids wanted to know the ingredients. I mean, this younger generation truly wants to they know what they're putting in their bodies. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that if you are better business partners, it also lends itself to the supply chain issue that we're dealing with right yeah. now. The trucks, there's trucks that still went out, mm -hmm. but when you're the lowest price and you don't have a commitment of any kind of volume. Yeah. My kids don't like it. I'm not going to buy that. That's not a business partnership. Yeah. Okay? You've got to be committed. Yep. Otherwise, I don't blame them for not bringing those trucks to our school district. Agreed. And how many meals do you guys serve as an alliance together daily or annually? 
Well, I tell you what, that's a, a flashing number that yes. is on our website, <laughs> right? So um, I, I, I heard a number yesterday, and it kind of blew my mind. Whenever, whenever. Well, share what you've heard because it. it's going to get bigger, right? So Was it a you guys are pushing a billion? A billion. With a B. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is crazy. So how many students do you guys have collectively at the schools in your organization? Do you know offhand? That one too is a number that's out yeah. there. It's, it's, so it's, it's, it's on our website. It just I think it's close to six million or a little over six million maybe. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. The number keeps changing. So. Yeah. 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 Have you had a chance to check out their website? I, I mean, have. It is <laughs> you have all of the stats right there. Who you are, what you do, who you feed, how many students you feed. And if you go to visit right now, there's a new blog. Yes. And a podcast. Absolutely. Yes. And a donate button. And, and, a, and a donate, donate button. button. <laughs> so, so let's talk about the blog real quick. So you guys are doing more social media work now when you're writing blogs and doing podcasts. Why? Why are you doing that? And what is your blog about? Go ahead. Why are we doing this? <laughs> because we met Marlon Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> because I convinced him. You know, just take for me, for instance, I was in a school district and didn't know there was an alliance. Yeah. So this is more exposure. This is an opportunity for the smaller district, because like I said, I was in a smaller district, a smaller district, they can see what the bigger districts are doing and they can, you know, glean from that information. They can go ahead and, you know, call in and say, hey, I need help with X, Y, and Z. Can you help me? So now they can, this, this is giving more exposure. And I think that's the, the key thing is, especially for the smaller districts. So you guys don't just keep information to yourself. You no. share with everybody, even smaller districts. So a smaller district can actually go to your website and then go to the, I forgot what the title is, but there's a section in the site that has resources, a yes. resource tab, right? <laughs> they can go there and, and collect resources also. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that, that's really yeah, Resources are all free. All of our best practices that the district share, because when you're part of the Alliance, you mm -hmm. don't just get to be a member. Yeah. You have to be engaged with the Alliance. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And so they're required to do 10-minute best practice sharing mm -hmm. at our various calls and conferences. And it's incredible, the ideas and the things that they're doing. Yeah. So we put all of those uh, PowerPoints and presentations on the public part of the resource page. So it's all up there for people to, to view. Speaking of resources, mm -hmm. so 50% of the people on this webinar, or Next Up episode, um, use the resource library. Um, everybody seems to love the member best practices as well. 10%, and I, this is expected to go up, have listened to the podcast, and 10% have uh, read the blog. So now that you all know, I expect those numbers to jump. That's excellent, because I've never blogged before. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, I keep asking Carly, a blog and a podcast, is that the same thing? Is that different? What is all this? So we've yeah. learned a yes. lot. Yeah. It's just so important to get your story out there. And for so many of us, this cause is so near and dear to our hearts. I mean, how can you not love feeding children and feeding them high-quality meals? So for those donors out there or people who want to give back, what... Can you tell me a little bit more about what their dollar goes to? What is the impact of their dollar? Okay. Um, well, well, I will let you up because I've been here for seven months, but I just know that um, we do, we're, we're now doing, um, our um, budget is now project-based. So we're doing project-based budgeting. So therefore, we're assigning different projects and the money to different projects. But as far as individuals, sometimes they're they actually specify what they want the money to go towards. So um, I don't know for if it's not specified, how do Well, we have encumbered and non-encumbered money. So yeah. for instance, if somebody, we had a, a bank in the South that wanted mm -hmm. to really help. 
And so they said, look, I, we have this much money and we want it to go to the districts in which we have banks in those cities. And so we can do that. We have lots of different things. We just joined uh, the, uh, with the Culinary Institute of America. We, yes. we signed an MOU. And one of the things we really want to do is do some culinary training in our districts mm -hmm. using their training, sh their chef trainers, mm -hmm. right? So when you have the Culinary Institute of America, just because you're a chef doesn't mean you know how to train. It's the same thing with the school nutrition director. Not all retired school nutrition directors are really good trainers, right? So um, those are the folks from the Culinary Institute of America. That's what they do for a living. And they know how to train in culinary skills. And so we've just signed an MOU with them. So we are looking to do fundraising to make sure that each one of our districts has an opportunity mm -hmm. to have a training in their district, plus send a couple of people to the CIA. Uh, we do a lot of research. We've been working with Tufts University, Colorado State University, and now Temple University. Um, and we're doing research from everything from what's the non-value added in the USDA foods program and how do we get rid of that so that we have more dollars to spend on USDA foods to with Temple right now we're working on a project with Philadelphia. Why don't kids that, work, that go to school in a completely um, community eligibility school where the meal's free to them, why aren't they participating? Mm. And so we're connecting with another organization called Student Voice, which is all students, a national organization, to help us do that research, to look at what is it that's the barrier when your school is community eligible and you have meals at no cost. There's something wrong. And us, the adults, we sit around and we just try to decide what that is. We don't know. So we're going to ask kids to help us. So we have research projects going on. We have a lot of... Um, Things where the districts, uh, professional exchanges is another thing that our districts love, where they have to write up objectives and what they want to do and who they're going to visit. And then they can go to another district for two or three days and really look at a project or something new that's going on um, and then take that information back to their district to try to start something new. So it's a whole variety of things. I will tell you we have very low overhead because three of us work remotely and Carlita's in a, <laughs> our office is wonderful in DC, but it's a subleased single office space, which yeah. we were very lucky to happen to fall upon. Um, so in that sense, the, the money really goes right into the program and doing the work. This company we've hired to work with us on this chicken project, it costs money to hire that company, right? So um, the, the money really is getting right into the heart of the fact that we are the ones that are on the ground in the districts, that all the philosophical ideas in the world are great, but we're the ones that make the decision as to whether it works or not in our districts. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's what really sets you apart from other nonprofits in K-12. I, I think so. Uh, we're the boots on the ground. Uh, again, there's lots of folks working in this space. They care very deeply. There's a lot of passion. Uh, but you can have as many conversations, as many summits, as many roundtables as you want, and you get like-minded people in the room, and we all talk about it. We're all talking to each other. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, singing to the choir, right? So these are the people that actually make the decisions that make it happen in these districts. They know how to work around their own district. Districts have politics, just like everything else. There's layers. There's certain people you have to go to first. Mm -hmm. These are the folks that can make that happen in their district because they know how to work in their district with the people that will help make that happen. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm really excited to hear the findings about why students aren't eating meals that are available to them. So I'm making a request that one of your blogs is written on that because I want to know all about it. All right, well that's great because maybe what we can do is eventually get you to come and do something with the student voice group. I would love to do that. They have fantastic voice in schools nationwide and yeah. We're very happy to have found them as a partner. Mm -hmm. um, 
but again, it's as adults, we've you know thought about this and thought about this and came up with all kinds of theories, but yeah. we need to know what's really going on and how do we make it better for kids. Mm -hmm. The audience is also very interested. Everybody's linking the website link to Student Voice, so in oh, talking yeah. about <laughs> it, yeah, everyone's yes. really great, excited about great it. Great group. Yeah. So what was your last blog written about? Oh, Marlon. Technology. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I started out blogs, podcasts, virtual meetings, oh my, um, and it talks about technology because we sit down with you and you can tell us a litany of things you can do to help us, and I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Sometimes I think you're speaking in French. So it's, it's, it's a long, it's a far cry. Uh, remember, I did my master's degree and there weren't even computers yet, okay, oh, wow. so I hand typed my master's thesis spelled the word dietitian wrong for the whole thing. <laughs> no whiteout was allowed, so you had to retype the whole thing. Oh, jeez. I did my master's thesis, I mean my master's research, and we had great big cards, and we had to hand them into the computer room at the university and wait at least three weeks to get our statistical results. So that wow. sort of tells wow. you where I'm at. Yeah. Um, so it is on technology, and my concern, it's great. The technology is fantastic. I opened up Digitize today, and I said to Digizine. you, Digazine, sorry, yes. <laughs> and I, it's the magazine that you put out that is so fantastic, and I open it up, and you start talking to me through one of the, one of the articles, which kind of freaked me out, because I thought, is my phone on? What, what are you always talking to me through this magazine. But what, what the blog is really about is that I'm worried. I'm really worried. Technology is fantastic, and it has allowed us to keep working and work remotely, and really, we onboarded Carlita you know, virtually. That was unbelievable. But what I worry about are the connections. Mm -hmm. And I talk in my blog about the real connections. You know, I, was a, I started in school nutrition in a school district of only 1,700 kids. I came, I was young, I had a master's degree, I was going to change the world in this small town. My husband was the brand new game warden in the town in rural Wisconsin, which also didn't help me any. <laughs> so I wanted to change the world. And everybody is like, no, what are you doing? We don't want you here. Go away, right? Yeah. So, it, it was deflating, it was defeating, and I thought, what's wrong with me? Why, I, I have all these leadership skills, I have all these ideas, what's wrong? And I went to a state SNA conference, and they had a director's, new director's roundtable. And I met some of the best friends in my life 30 some years later. Don't you guys and have a name for your group too? We do, we do. <laughs> I'd like to hear well, it. Well, <laughs> it's kind of secret, but uh, it's, it's called the Yaya's, and so it's quite the group. Um, and that's all we'll leave it to, at last. But, so I sent them a picture of me in Tampa, Florida at 72, and I said, so what's it like where you are? And in Wisconsin, it's minus 15 today. So oh, I'm not even going to go into the responses I got. But anyway, um, that group was so incredible because you learned one thing, and that is that it's not you, it's the nature of the job. And those connections, when you go to conferences, when you go to things, when you see each other in the office, yeah. okay? Mm. Poor Carlita started. Jeremy, Jill, and I have known each other for 30 years. Carlita had to start with this team that knew each other really a, for a long time. We could have done that much more quickly had we been going into the break room together or yeah. mm. you know, going out for lunch together or whatever. So this virtual stuff, to me, sometimes worries me um, because it's the real connection. I can discuss a challenge with you if I'm face-to-face, -face, and I'm probably much more ready to be polite and kind and compassionate, but over the email, I can fire out a nasty email and then wish I never would have sent it. Yeah. But yes. it's different when you're face-to-face. -face. How did you feel starting? 
No, well, it was kind of, um, it was different because this was the first time that I had started in the way, you know, prior to you start a job, you meet people, you talk, you know, you go for lunch, you know, you do a welcome, everything. This one was, okay, here you go, <laughs> right here. <laughs> so, I mean, they did come out for a week, but you know, the week is over. So now you have to figure it all out. So it was that human connection, that component of it, it, it was lost. And so I, I, do, I do feel that way with the new technology and we doing all these Zoom calls with the pandemic. It's like we're, you, we're losing that human aspect where you actually can feel, feel what, the, what people are feeling. You know, when the kids, their issues and problems, you can't feel it. You can just see it in black and white. You can just, you know, get, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you actually feel the connection, it's, it's, a, it's a big difference. So how long is it going to take me to convince you guys to hold your meetings in virtual reality? <laughs> okay, so that's a whole other story that we've talked about. Because I'm not buying a virtual house unless I can physically go in it. But, but the rates are so, so good right now. I, yeah, the rates are good, all right. But if I'm going to buy another house in Florida, I'm going to be dipping into that pool. I'm not going to be swimming with my avatar. Sorry. So no yeah. virtual pools, no avatars, no Probably not in my world, no. Okay. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. We do have some questions rolling in. Um, one is, are there any interest? Is there any interest in producing plant-based kids' lunch alternatives? So plant-based is really interesting, and it's certainly the up and coming, right? And mm -hmm. I will tell you that many of our districts already are doing that. You know, our districts were some of the leaders in the fact that vegetarian wasn't cheese pizza. Right. It was truly vegetarian. And in, many, in, in most cases, it was because they had customer groups that they didn't have to, by regulation, serve specific foods to, but they chose to. So they have ethnic groups that really are plant-based menus. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of our groups have gone in that direction already. Um, the partnership with the Culinary Institute of America, they have amazing plant-based resources on their website. And so our districts have used a lot of those resources as well to truly get to what is plant-based. Um, so yes, but there's a difference between plant-based and then sort of this new thing that's happening with, with protein items. And so right. we're very cautiously looking at that, and that is also a district-by-district district decision. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another question is, what is the process for a district to join the alliance, and how does that work? So a district has to have 50,000 students enrolled or larger. We have a membership committee, um, mm -hmm. so they can contact us through the website if they choose to, and Carlita will get them to the chair of the membership committee and the membership committee. The membership committee is a really hardworking group of all of our members. They have to be on a committee as well. We don't <laughs> let them just be a member. Yeah. Uh, we're taskmasters. Um, and so they have to have, there's two pieces to it. Mm -hmm. One is you have to have something to contribute. Right. So we look at the district, we talk to the director and some of the employees and, and see what are the new and innovative things they're doing. And then also uh, we look to see if there's districts that really need our support. And so it's a two-way street because we want to learn from you and then we want to lend itself support. There's also a $19,000 a year membership fee that the district has to pay. It's worth every penny. They think so. We, we really work hard at getting them to talk about the, the value of membership and sometimes it just really gets, hits you when you decide, see how really connected they are and mm -hmm. there can be a serious challenge. There can be something that's happened in the district where the media has just destroyed the program or you know, really found one little thing and the media picked up on it. Um, and then they gather their colleagues around. And mm -hmm. you know, when, when the supply chain happened and a couple of the districts got hit first and literally no more deliveries, 
the rest of those members said, hey, look, yep. we're we making, help? you bet, we're making all our contacts, we're going to see what we can do to help you uh, get some, some deliveries. It was amazing what and they I, did. I can say being on the email chain, watching it come in, as soon as, as, soon as the SOS went out, I mean, the emails just start flying. We can do this. We can do this. We can call this person. We can call that person. I mean, it just came in. Well, now they're it's a, they're in a much much better spot. Right. So because of all the resources, so having that camaraderie, having that somebody you can actually press a button and then you get a response like immediately. Like everyone, an everybody, that's an alliance. That's an alliance. Yep. Or yep. I will say too, their bosses or their school board said, "What do the rest of the major city districts do?" Well, within 24 hours, we can get it. Yeah. We can get the information for you. That's, That's awesome. Great. What is the energy like when they all get together at like the annual meeting? Or I know we've talked before, and you said there's nothing better than them all bouncing ideas off each other and sharing best practices. What is that like? Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm just waiting for that moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this pandemic has, some, I mean, we were supposed to have one in September. That got canceled to virtual. We were supposed to do it in February that get canceled, so I'm going to let <laughs> Dr. Wilson tell you all about it in the past. <laughs> she ran the membership call yesterday, so she got a little taste of that um, in the disappointment of it all. But no, it, it is amazing. Matter of fact, last October of 2020 was the last time we did face-to-face. -face. No, I'm sorry, it was February of 2020. Yeah, 2020. We were in Orlando, and uh, Laura Gilbert hosted us fabulously because she was doing food trucks, and that was the big idea. Everybody wanted to go see her food trucks. Um, and so we were in the middle of strategic planning. And so I literally had the agenda from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. booked solid because we had our strategic planning consultants there. And so between the meeting, we were trying to get strategic planning work done and we wanted to engage all the members. And that was the number one they, thing they said is, we just need time to be together. You know? We need time to just talk together and chit chat together. And um, I think we were, they were really ready in February to come. We were going to LA. They were super excited. I was ready to go. Yeah, yeah you all were coming. <laughs> <laughs> this was the warehouse. Right, we were going to see the Newman yeah. Center and the warehouse, warehouse and the great things that LA is doing. And um, we got canceled last, uh, last year with LA. And so they did some wonderful videos and a chef's demo and all that. But again, it's not the same. It's like my blog says. It's, it's those conversations on the way to the restroom, the conversations around the cup of coffee. Um, you know, the small group interaction. You can do small groups on Zoom, but it's not it's the same, same when people turn yeah. their camera off. And it, yeah. it's, yeah. there's so much there. And what's really fun with this group is they really like each other. So, <laughs> and they disagree with one another too. It's, it's great conversation. It's great dialogue. Um, and they'll, they'll challenge one another. That's another really- Always professional. You bet, mm -hmm. it's always professional, but it's so amazing how they'll challenge one another to do better, mm -hmm. to take the next step. Here's how we did it. Don't be afraid. You know, all of that. Um, and in school nutrition, this group, because they have to be from um, nonprofit organizations, self-op, public schools, uh, they're not in competition with one another at all. So they are willing to share. I mean, a really good example of a best practice is Miami-Dade got rid of the plastic straw in the little uh, cutlery pack. Mm -hmm. Now, to most of us, we think, so, okay, good, great. Tell the company you don't want a plastic straw. Oh, this was an unbelievable process. You do not know what it takes to get rid of the plastic straw in a cutlery pack. But she did it. And can you imagine the millions of plastic straws that are no longer being thrown away yeah. and getting into our environment? Because Penny from Miami-Dade decided to make that decision. She and her team went together, and they just kept going forward. And she shared that with the rest of the group. So they grabbed a hold of her process. And away the rest of them went. So that could be a good podcast episode. I bet it would that. be. Yeah, I think Penny would be a great one to talk about. So, 
I mean, it was amazing what they did. And something we think is small, but when you think of the hundreds and mil of millions of meals that are being served daily in this group, if everybody gets rid of that straw, yep. just think of the difference we've now made. So it's those kinds of ideas that bring energy to the group. So you mentioned innovation earlier. Um, so what other innovative things have you seen besides the straw? Like I know Seattle Public Schools and they were having issues with uh, delivering meals to students. They actually partnered with Amazon and they had Amazon Flex deliver meals to home. So what are some other districts doing out there to help better the community? You know, they all have been incredible. Um, Dallas Public Schools uh, paired up with their city bus service during the pandemic to try to get meals on city buses. Dallas also has an elementary school uh, that they con an old elementary school that was closed that they converted to a homeless uh, a shelter a residential se shelter for high school kids that have been kicked out onto the street wow and the graduation rate is unbelievable and they do meals 365 for those kids and they partner with a community partnership to do this so you can imagine all these teenage kids that have a safe place to live now and they have all the services right there in that elementary school well in that residential center that they converted it to um, I know that Orlando just did a best practice on birthday treats. Mm -hmm. So what about the kid that just can't bring something? What about the dangers of food safety and all the things that we worry about? So now she has enabled so that parents can call, or guardians can call in and the, and the school nutrition program will deliver a little healthier snack to this, the classroom. So um, she has, has that going on. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the school farm in Baltimore, we visited, oh, yeah. we're going there next September. It is amazing. We, we're going there next September? Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're spending the entire day there. Okay. It is amazing it is. what that team has done. And while we were there, they had so much crop, so then they invite the employees in. And the Baltimore City Schools, they, they shared with us, this, it, this was a Saturday, mm -hmm. that their staff went out to the farm, and they did an entire day for the kitchen managers and their families. Wow. out at the farm and then they also got to pick whatever produce they wanted to take home mm -hmm. and they had culinary lessons and things for the kids to do and the, so there's so much going on in these districts New York is a leader in ethnic um, meals they, they're so in tune with their diversity of their population and wanting to make sure that they're serving the population and the needs of their population uh, you know, talk about challenges. Oh my goodness, that city has challenges mm -hmm. just in delivery alone. I, I don't yeah. know how you get a truck into some of those schools, right? So it, it is amazing what they all do um, to think through some of these challenges and, and, and then share that with the, the rest of the group. Palm Beach did a, a whole entire app um, when COVID hit because we didn't know whether we had identified kids or not. Broward County. She did an app with her dietitians where children that have um, dietary needs, uh, nutrition dietary needs, well, if you're serving bulk and you're pushing people through these lines, and what do you do about the children that have a special dietary need? Mm. So she developed a, a really neat thing on the POS system, on the point of sale system, where they have a way to identify those children without overtly identifying them and mm. making sure that they get the right kind of food. So Broward County shared that with us. DeKalb County just shared yesterday um, there, we have a DEI moment, diversity, mm -hmm. equity, and inclusion, because we're really looking at everything we do now, does it have that lens? Yes. And we have a, mm -hmm. we're, we're learning as we go on how to do this. So DeKalb County did a best practice yesterday, and she said by being asked to do the DEI moment for the September call, or for the uh, January call, mm -hmm. well, she and her team sat down and they decided to, to really make this something doable in their district. 
And so they did this, they started this whole entire kitchen manager council of the kitchen yes. managers because they, they realized that they lost track mm -hmm. of the communication. Here we are again with mm -hmm. the communication, right? They were still communicating on email and everything else, but something was lost. Yeah. And so by at being asked to do this for the Alliance, they did this whole entire thing for their district. And it was, it's ama it was amazing what she shared yesterday. Yeah, because so. they did a survey. She polled them inside to get their honest feedback. And it was amazing, the information she got from that. And for it to be able to start making procedures and step forward to, to move forward with the results of that survey. So it was really, and just so you know, I'm not going to say this again, it's on the website. <laughs> <laughs> all of this, all of this, I mean, all of these, see, all of the amazing things that any of the districts are doing, those are our best practices. Those, they're on the website. We also have Twitter feeds, everything, all the stuff is coming instantly. They're posted up. It's on the website. So if you go to our website, you can see majority of these things, probably 99% of the things that uh, Dr. Wilson's had mentioned. Yeah. It's on the website. Yeah, you actually have everybody's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, yeah. website yep. links, so you can linked. see all of the great things that all of your member districts are doing. What sticks out to you when you think about some of the highlights of your member districts? What are some of the things that just, you know, blow your mind when you see it? I'm, I'm still blown. <laughs> I'm, I'm like that newbie blown. It's like, oh wow, they do this. You know, I'm doing. I'm in the background. I'm doing operations, so I'm just basically trying to piece things together and you know make sure the website looks good and make sure all the pieces are in place and all the work that um, Dr. Wilson is out there doing and all the members are doing. I'm making sure that you know it's coming together. But I'm just sitting there like, wow. <laughs> well, sometimes I have a moment where I'm just sitting there like a like like an audience member. I'm in the back watching like, wow, this is really, I'm a part, I'm a part of this? Really, am I really a part of this? So it's, it's, it's I'm just blown every time. And like I said, the school district, it, it, it makes you feel good that someone's doing the work on behalf of the school nutrition uh, for the children. It's just, I'm, me coming, when I was doing my after school program and ha having issues trying to, you know, you, get the, you hear the stories of why these kids, you know, they can't be in programs after school because X, Y, and Z, and then they're hungry. Mm. And you just, it breaks your heart. It really breaks your heart. So knowing that we, I have advocates out mm -hmm. there in the land of U.S., yeah. <laughs> it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good <laughs> of the work that I'm doing. Yeah. So, I kind of want to go back to the whole thing with Broward and the point-of-sale dietary restriction thing. So did they develop that in-house or did they work with one of their providers? Uh, do you know? You know, I think a lot of it was started in-house and okay. so I think we have to go back to Broward and, and look and see the details of it. But um, again, I, I, I think this is, for me, it's the executive level of these people. Mm. And you think of these executives and their CEOs and executive directors. And when you meet them, like Mary and Mulder in Broward County, she is so caring. And, and this is something that really, she wanted to make sure that these kids weren't left behind. And yeah. so it, it's amazing that they're at this unbelievable executive le level. And none of these folks got these jobs because they're new in, new in, the, in the position, right? They, mm -hmm. They've worked their way up. They've worked in the system. Um, so they really are executives in every one of these districts, and yet, you, you have this mindset of what an executive is, and every, every single one of them cares so passionately and so deeply about yeah. individual children. Yeah. And that's what blows me away. Yeah, and, and I think with Mary, it's the same way. 
their yeah. team cared about this. She was worried about this. And so mm -hmm. they set out to, to change it, to fix it, to make sure it was okay for kids. Cool. So I know there are a lot of manufacturers, industry members out there that would love to find ways to partner and work with the Urban School of Food Alliance. What is the best way for them to reach out to you to communicate? Because I'm sure you guys get all yeah, so, um, yeah, with, with manufacturers, uh, we appreciate what they do. I mean, they mm -hmm. listen. They're listening a lot to us. We have good conversations with them. Um, we, uh, we're very careful about that. Mm -hmm. A lot of manufacturers will think, well, they, they know Katie Wilson. I'll get her to, I want to get in front of that group. Well, yeah. no, the answer's no. Um, we are a membership group. They're working together with best practices and supporting one another. What I do is if somebody has something, then what I'll do sometimes is put it out to the member. I will not give out their contacts. Mm -hmm. We do not allow um, manufacturers to come like to a meeting or things like that um, because we really want to work on the food system itself. And so I think sometimes that can cloud that issue. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't take any funding from manufacturers, so we don't let them sponsor anything or do anything like that. Um, so for us, it's tell us what you've got. Yeah. Tell us what you're working on that's going to meet our criteria. Um, we put those standards out there. We, when we did the turkey standard, we went to as many turkey companies as we could think of to have the discussion with them ahead of time. So we're not blindsiding anybody. We're really talking to industry about it. Mm -hmm. Anybody that wants to have a conversation, they just need to contact us and, and we'll look at that through Jill, our director of procurement, um, and, and myself and, and think about what are those conversations we can have. We're at almost every conference, and so a lot of times industry will set up, hey, can we catch coffee with you? Um, absolutely. We're here to talk and make this happen. When we, we are working on a new federal business plan because we know the way federal procurement works doesn't work for food, yeah. and it's time to propose a new plan. So we had a focus group of industry members, um, of all different kinds of industry members, different stakeholders, and a, and a focus group of all different school nutrition directors, not just our members, but all different size districts. Uh, and so we'll continue to do those kinds of uh, focus groups and to talk to people about what's going on because industry is a vital, vital part of all of this. Yeah. Um, and I will say I, I was always one to stand up to them even during Healthy Hungry Free Kids Act. There were a lot of industry members that came up with some really good products. And I think they took the, the, the hit from some of this, mm. um, kind of the blame for not having products, but the products are out there and they're good products. So uh, I think that they're a vital component in all of this. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we are getting ready to wrap up the show. So do you guys have any final words that you want to add before we sign off today? Um, Put you in the spot, Carlita. I'm excited about the work that we're doing, and, and I'm excited to see where we're going. So I know we're, I think we're innovators. I think we're influencers. I think we're gonna shake up some things and I'm looking forward to where this leads. Thanks, <laughs> I appreciate that as well too. I, I think, exactly, um, I'll ditto that. I think that our Small But Mighty team is the right team at the right time in the right place. Mm -hmm. And I also have to have a shout out to every one of those directors in every one of those districts and their teams. Because we visited them, we've been with them now, we've gotten to know them really well. Um, and they are just an incredible group of professionals, really out there, heroes in their communities, no it, doubt about it. They really are. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today you. on stage. Yeah, you You've been watching us. Next Up Live with the Urban School Food Alliance. To learn more about them, you can check out their website. You can find them on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Katie's blog's on there. We have a podcast on Apple, on Apple Podcast. I, I'm sorry. Wow. Spotify, Spotify <laughs> iTunes, and Google Podcasts. 
And um, yeah, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank and thank you. you guys for watching. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks.